It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're going all offseason, and as always, you can find us on the Himalaya podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Things, we're everywhere. Tell your smart device to play the Lockdown Bengals podcast when you get in your car, and it'll come on, and we'll keep you company for probably all of your drive, maybe part of your drive. Depends on how long you drive. You better have a 45-minute drive. Or, or 20, depending on right. the day. <laughs> like today. Like today. That's a good preview. We should tell people this is exactly how long the podcast is going to be when they turn it on. We literally never know. We have no idea. Yeah. It all depends on how much we ramble. And uh, today we know we have scheduling constraints. We're recording early. It's 3 o'clock Pacific time, 6 o'clock uh, Eastern. Today. That's because we have very important business tonight. That I so I'm not recording later, and it's because I'm going to go have beers with my brother. Yeah, that's like you said, very important business going on on the Lockdown Bengals. I'm going to get my neck fixed. I'm going to go see my chiropractor. Oh, I woke up with a stiff neck yesterday. I could use that. My my neck is not feeling the best. This is not a blue chew ad. What does a neck? I, I don't even want it anyway. <laughs> the stiffness. Just let it go. We're not doing Blue Chew today. Well, I guess you did it. There you go. Uh, so today in the countdown to kickoff, it's it's technically 75 days from kickoff, but we're still catching up. We're going to slow our roll a little bit. We'll catch up by the end of the week. But today we're going to do two numbers, 79 and 78. If you're a Bengals fan, you probably know that no one's worn 78 for about 20 years. Yeah. A little bit longer. And uh, you might not know that Christian Ringo wears number 79. He's going into his fourth year, which is longer than I thought he had been in the league, out of Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette. Hmm. Yeah, he's got to be on like his fourth, fifth stop, maybe. He was drafted by Green Bay in the sixth round of the 2015 draft, was waived by the Packers in September of that year, then went to the practice squad, was on and off the practice squad for Green Bay. Uh, was acquired on by Cincinnati on waivers from the Packers in 2017. Then went to the Detroit practice squad. Detroit's roster waived by the Lions. Signed to the Dallas practice squad. Released by the Dallas practice squad. 
on and off the Dallas practice squad, eventually signed to the Cincinnati roster off the Cowboys practice squad in November of last year. Yeah, that's what I thought. Isn't that weird? Because he always flashes wherever he's been. Uh, I remember Packers fans being excited for him in preseason, flashing and consistently having that first step and that explosion upfield. There was a highlight I remember from his rookie year in preseason with the Packers where he's late to get on the field, right? So he's running onto the field full steam. The offense snaps the ball, and he just barrels over the center. Like, just he ran 45 yards full speed at the center and just demolishes him. And not that that's great for football, but it was fun to see. Yeah, and he has flashed. In his games for Cincinnati last year, his game against the Chargers was an elite game. Is this right? He had a 90 grade, right? 92.5. Against the Chargers. I don't even understand this. He had a sack on 10 pass rushes. It must have been an incredible win because he had 10 pass rushes and a 91.2 pass rush grade. I do remember he had a, a significant grade in one game, so that must have been it. Yeah. But I don't remember. You know, I, he did flash a few times, and he does have a good first step. So I – excuse me. Sorry, guys. The baby is chatty today. She's in daycare. And the baby is now quiet. And as we were saying, Christian Ringo had a very good preseason in 2017 for the Green Bay Packers, where his preseason grade was 90.5. He had 11 pressures – on 90 pass rushes in 2017 preseason. That's pretty good. That's very effective, actually. From from the defensive interior, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you get 300 you know, pass rush snaps as a guy split in time, if you were able to do that, uh, you'd rack up some pressure. That'd be, that'd be something you would want as the backup. Ideally, he looks like and he flashes like the backup you would want for Geno Atkins. And, I mean, he could very well carve that role out. I think that there's a pretty stiff competition. We don't love the backup options, but it's Andrew Billings and Ryan Glasgow, guys we talked about in the 90s. Yeah, Rennell Wren. Rennell Wren, Andrew Brown, Josh Tupo. Yeah, Andrew Brown, right. Yeah, the, it, they've invested in that position at the very least, not highly, so it kind of makes it makes the waters murky where you feel like they're going to lean towards one of those mid-round picks, even day three picks. Uh but they don't have to. Christian Ringo could beat one of them out. Worth noting that Christian Ringo is listed on the Bengals' website as a defensive end. He only played in t- inside for them last year. And he weighs two more pounds, actually, than Andrew Brown, who's listed as a defensive tackle. Weird. Fun facts. Let's see if we got any good high school facts on Christian Ringo. He was a shot put athlete in high school. He played baseball and soccer. Not many defensive tackles probably played soccer, huh? I can imagine. And that's probably his footwork and quickness. You can see it there, right? I'm trying to imagine a 300-pound man playing soccer, and I can't. I mean, he did well, weigh 300 school, pounds in right? high school, but... He's not even 300 now. He's but he probably 298. Still 250, right? He's listed at 298. No, I mean when he was in high school. Oh, in high school. He's still a big guy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was an absolute tank of a child when he was a high schooler. As they all were. These yeah. guys. Most of them. Not Giovanni Bernard, but the rest of them. Yeah. Gio's a guy you see like, man, yeah, he's cut up, but he looks like a guy. Right. He might get lost in a crowd at, at the county <laughs> fair. He might still. Oh, short people jokes. 
We shouldn't do that, probably not. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Um, but should we move on to 78? Because I feel like we have a lot to talk about with, with Anthony Munoz. Munoz? Yeah. No Z? Uh, Munoz? I bet yeah. you I bet you there is no Z in the uh, Spanish. Did you take Spanish? Yeah, there's definitely okay. a Z in Spanish. Never mind then. Yeah, the Spanish Z is pronounced like a soft C in front of the letter E or I, for example. For example, like azul. Azul. It's not Z, it's azul. So is it like Munoz? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. When you say it like that. We figured it out. We got to the bottom of it. (laughs) After how many years? (laughs) Best player in franchise history. We figured out how to say his last name, guys. I think I already... Well, actually, I probably said Anthony Munoz. I probably did. I don't know why I said it the way I did. Munoz? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a letter at the end of that. Oh, I know there is. I don't know why I said it like that. Welcome to the Lockdown Bengals podcast, where we learn how to pronounce names. This is the key for people. What if somebody was questioning this in their head? And now they weren't. They're probably thinking, like, man, these two dumbasses over here. Guaranteed. That happens already. So at least now yeah. we can educate the one person. That's who we are. Learning together on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We, we coming up with taglines now? We'll come up yep. with a motto. We'll figure out something eventually. So Anthony Munoz, drafted by the Bengals with the third overall pick in 1980, of course went to USC and spent his entire career from 1980 to 1992 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Was an 11-time Pro Bowler from 1981 to 1991 and a nine-time first-team All-Pro and two-time second-team All-Pro. He played 185 games starting 182. Do you remember the controversy, not the controversy, the the nitpicking of the pick, of the selection, I should say, of Anthony Munoz, that he missed a whole large chunk of his final year at USC with a knee injury. Uh, So a lot of people were concerned that you're drafting a guy this high who's got knee problems. Remember, this is 1980. Coming off the 70s, knee problems, knee injury, uh, you may not play again, right? It's not what it is now. So he was able to come back and play the the Rose Bowl, I want to say. The final game for USC, uh, completed it, finished it. And the Bengals, their trusty medical staff at the time, I guess, uh, passed the selection on and said he's good to go. And he never had problems with it again. Yeah. He is one of two Hall of Famers from the first round of the 1980 NFL Draft. There were 12 rounds in that draft. Fun mm. fact. 28 teams, 12 rounds. Who's Any the other first on round? the other Hall of Famer? Okay, so 1980. That's what I was hoping you would ask me. Um, no, I have no guesses. No guesses. Art Monk. <laughs> well, that's a good receiver there. Yeah. There was, there was also Dwight Stevenson was drafted in the second round by the Dolphins, a Hall of Fame center. He just got in, didn't he? I don't remember. I feel like that was pretty recent. I think it's just those three. Do you want a fun fact then for me? I like fun facts. Okay. Anthony Munoz caught seven passes in his career for 18 yards, scoring four touchdowns. Wow. Yeah, that's fun. He was an athlete at 6'6", 280. 280. Imagine 6'6", 280, you're playing tackle in today's NFL. That was big then. You're a tight end. No, you're still no. Nah, they, they'll throw 15 pounds on you at that size. I guess so. Get you, you to 295. Yeah, I guess workout programs have come a long way. 
That's although that's, he was known for his workout um, regimen in the offseason. I'm sure. I, I fully believe it. He was the NFL Man of the Year in 1991. He was on the 1980s All Decade team, and he was on the NFL 75th Anniversary All Time team. That was in 1994. At the time of his retirement, his Pro Bowl selections were tied with Tom Mack. Yeah, that Tom Mack. You all know him for the most ever by an offensive lineman in league history. I didn't. I, I don't know who that is. No. <laughs> I don't know who Tom Mack is either. I'm reading this from the internet. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Let's see. His daughter played basketball for the Tennessee Lady Volunteers and transferred to Ohio State. Mm. And his son played offensive line at Tennessee. He was an All-American and was not drafted. I believe Munoz played basketball and baseball also. I think he won a national championship in football and played in the College World Series. Huh. The, yes. the elder Munoz? Or no. the young Munoz? The one who played for the Bengals in War Number 78. Yeah, the elder Munoz, not okay. not his son that I was just talking about. Mr. Munoz is my father. Never, that's right. a help. All right. In 1999, Anthony Munoz was ranked number 17 on Sporting News' list of the 100 greatest football players and was the highest-ranked offensive lineman. I was just going to ask, were there any linemen ranked higher than him? Because so many not. people think he's the best tackle of all time, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool that he's a Bengal. Uh, his son was – how many do you think consensus All-Americans – which, okay, first off, how many consensus All-Americans do you think weren't first-team All-Conference? That, I would common? bet that never happens. So this happened to Michael Munoz, the son of Anthony Munoz. He was a consensus All-American in 2004 but was only second-team All-SEC. So the teams or the writers that were watching him closely did not agree, but the ones that recognized his name nationally I put guess him in there. So. Right? I mean, that's just me coming up with my cons- tinfoil conspiracy there. Yeah. Uh, so, he wasn't, also... He wasn't drafted because of a knee and shoulder injury yeah. history, and he wasn't even signed as an undrafted free agent, as far as I can tell. The elder Munoz, in, in 2010, so after, this is, this is another ranking, was ranked the 12th best NFL player of all time, greatest NFL player mm. by the NFL Network. And was the highest offensive lineman again. Do you know who number one was that year? No, but I could probably click on this and figure out who was. NFL's greatest players? Jerry Rice and Jim Brown was number two. Yeah. That's fine, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not Target argue. Jerry Rice. Yeah. I wonder I wonder where Tom Brady's gonna end up when it's all said and done, you know? Yeah. Especially if he makes it to another Super Bowl in the next four years and retires or whenever that is, if it's two years. Yeah. I mean, just He doesn't have to, but if he did, it would just, he's going to be talked about top three, two. And since the NFL Network started doing their top 100 players annually, Tom Brady's been their best player three times. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. 2011, 17, and 18. You know, Anthony Munoz appeared in two motion pictures. No, I didn't know that. 1980s Borderline as the Guatemalan and 1983's The Right Stuff, which was an Academy Award nominee for Best Picture as Gonzalez. Typecast. Yes. And from, (laughs) from 94 to 95, so right after retiring, Munoz 
served as the color commentator for Fox Sports NFL telecasts. And he still does them for the Bengals, the Bengals. in the preseason. Exactly. And, and like I said yesterday, we talked about him yesterday, right? Very involved in the Cincinnati community. If you have a story about having met Anthony Munoz, please, please tell us your story. Because yeah. I think a lot of you have probably met the guy. Yeah, probably. How many, have you met any former or current Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, yeah. Many? I don't know what many would be. Well, how, who, who have you met? I mean, I don't know which ones I should say and say and, and not because uh, I don't know if, if some are appropriate. Uh, like, for example, um, <laughs> and now I feel uncomfortable, Jake, because some of them that give me information, I don't want to say their name. I'm not name. talking about giving you information. I'm talking about people you've met. Like how? How do you meet these In people? Person, like, it, like you shook his hand. Yeah. Well, okay, you're at Bengals training camp and someone walks by, you shake their hand. Is that meeting them? Or is yeah. it like meeting them if you're hang, if you're at an event, a team event, and TJ Hushmanzada is there signing stuff and you shake his hand and get something yeah. signed? Is that meeting them? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'd have to think about this then. Who do you do you have anyone? I only, I, I only Chad Johnson. I saw him at the Atlanta airport. He was wearing really? an all red tracksuit. And I was like, man, I got I, I, like, green running shoes. No, I don't think so. But that would be very challenging. Yeah. Uh, I, I walked by him. I was like, I'm not going to bother him. And then I walked back. I was like, I got to bother him. Because <laughs> cause how many times are you going to get to see a, a, I don't know. It was after he retired. I was working. It, was, it must have been 2011, 2012. You went and see, I hate, I've had a few moments like that where I go, should I go talk to this guy and bother this guy in an airport or in a restaurant or at a shoe store, whatever the case may be? I always pass. I think Chad loves that stuff. Think so. Yeah. I remember Chad was like, "Hey, I'm going." I remember this from because uh, I live in Buffalo. But he goes, I'm, "I'm I'll be in Buffalo a day early for a game. Who's going to pick me up? I'll take you shopping." And I was like, "This is awesome." <laughs> he needed someone to pick him up in the airport. Chad's all about fan interaction. He still is. you see that he's doing that. He's the host of that forty yard dash contest. Did you see that? I am interested to see this. None of the guys on the list strike me as the fastest yes. players in the NFL. Well, I mean, because it doesn't have Tyreek Hill and John Ross, right? Exactly. Without those two, you feel like, eh, someone would still, they those two would should still beat someone. I don't know if there's anybody that ran sub 4-3. You know who I still, or I want to see Chris like, Johnson still run. I wonder. He's he's right. old now. He's got, he's got He probably can't walk anymore, man. I want to see, see Daryl Green run. Athlete knees. Yeah, but that's kind of how I want to – instead of the no-name guy, give me someone I know that might be 45, and I'm like, can he still – can this guy still break a 4-5? They got to do a seniors the seniors bracket for 45-year-old retirees. Alvin Kamara ran like a high 4-5, if I remember correctly. He's in it. And he's in it. So that's what I mean. If you get – you think Chris Johnson and Alvin Kamara would be interesting still? Maybe Alvin Kamara got faster. Yeah. It'll be that actually will be a very interesting aspect of this to see if guys get faster on NFL workout programs. Well, I wonder if they are going to be timed in the same way. Are they electronic, digital type timings, or are they just going to let them race each other? Because that's different. A race is different, right? Yeah, a race would be different because they got to do electronic the right time. timing because people are going to want to know what the numbers are. Well, okay, but are you going head to head, or are you going I'll go and then you go? I don't know. Because that would change, right? I mean, you getting ready, being timed, and being battling yourself. Or I think, I think they would have to do individual because, because the start, 
and the way they train, they don't train reaction. They just train and start scouting right. when I start going. Right. And that's what I and that's what I wonder if if that's the case. We're way off topic, Joe. What are what is the topic today? Are we already we're, it's gotta be a breakdown. Yeah, I think it is because we have spiraled far, far away from the countdown to kickoff. We got through 79. We talked about Anthony Munoz and his family. We learned how to pronounce Munoz. We'll be right back. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast, where it is so damn hot, milk was a bad choice. Almost always is. It is in the summer. Almost always is. Not even just summer. Right. The Let's kids not get are, into the politics of dairy. I'm not going to get into politics. That's politics? It, it no, I, I like dairy besides uh, in normal time. Anyways, the kids had their last full day of school today. And like I said, my the babies just started going to daycare for the first time. So a couple weeks in. So my wife and I got to have the day to ourselves, Jake. Wow. You had, Brother, you had, I saw your tweet the other day that you were all by yourself. That oh, was yeah. Nice. I was all by myself. That, I haven't had that in a long time. But today okay. we went to a a, a a garden center and we got a bunch of, of flowers and stuff. And then we went out to eat at the New York Beer Project, which is a brewery and restaurant. And I got so full, I felt like hell. Good. That had That's a the goal, Uh, yeah dairy gets political by the way when you start to talk about the environmental impact of of cow farming and ranching oh really yeah cows are the like single biggest emitters of greenhouse gases or something i got a steak in the fridge tomorrow great is that dairy it's the same industry i was trying to fool you or mix you up a little bit there did it work you took a little half second to think about it. I don't think it. I don't think it worked. So PFF came out uh, in the last couple of days with the highest graded defenders for the Bengals and each team, I think, but for the Bengals on both sides of the ball for the last twelve years, going back to two thousand six. There are some expected names, I think, and some unexpected names. So we'll start with the defense, and. The the there are two names that appear more than once on the list. One okay. of them is obviously Geno Atkins. Joe, who's the other? On defense, mm-hmm. if it's not Geno Atkins appearing more than once, it is, in my opinion, uh, Leon Hall. It is Leon Hall in two thousand nine and two thousand ten. In two thousand ten, the highest graded Bengals defender graded out at a seventy six point four. Yikes! Which is, as they say, not good. So it was Leon Hall in twenty ten. It was Leon Hall in 2010. It was Geno Atkins 2011, 2012, and then 2015 to 2018. Hmm. Who were the players between 2012 and 2015 that weren't Geno Atkins? Between 12 and 15. I would love to guess and say one of them was uh, William Jackson. No. Uh, 2013 and 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking I was didn't listen to your years at all on that. No. So 23, 2013, 2014. Hmm. 
My only guesses would be Carlos Dunlap or Vontez Perfect. No. In fact, so minimum 500 snaps, which might eliminate Vontez Perfect's best ah, year. Or might sure. not. I'm not sure. But I'm not even two- sure if he gets up there. In 2013, it was Michael Johnson. Weird. Mm-hmm. In 2014, it was Reggie Nelson. Ah. Uh, both years were not great. Uh, Michael Johnson was an 82.5, and Reggie Nelson was a 78.2. Okay. So it's, they just they kind of won by – it could have been anyone that year, but they were the best of the losers. The first three years on this list are all pretty good shockers. Any guesses for 2006? <laughs> Um, I know Kevin Casevaharn's name comes up somewhere. Yeah, I think I, I think I spoiled this one. Kevin Casevaharn with a ninety. That's amazing. And and I knew this season existed. I like I remember I looked back and I I noticed this one other point when I was looking just through Bengals grades on PFF, but that one's yeah. wild. Kevin Casevaharn, that's who we should get on the podcast. Yeah, I want to know great. his story. Kevin, what's he doing? Right, where he's, he's I don't even remember somewhere. I just remember he made a couple plays. This is like if um, Clayton Fedulum got a chance to start this year and was really good, right? And then nothing really came of him afterwards. Because I remember Case Farn making some plays. I don't remember who got hurt or what happened. But he needed to play all year, and he did, and he was good. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up his pro football focus stats now so we can see what he did that year specifically. Right, and I want to see what how his career followed because to have such a high year and then really never do I I don't remember him doing anything. I don't remember if he got hurt either. Yeah, so in two thousand six, Case Faharn had a ninety overall grade, like I said, a ninety point two coverage grade, an eighty seven point six tackle grade, and an eighty four point seven pass rushing grade. He had uh, only twenty eight pass rushes, but thirteen of them resulted in pressures with five sacks. And eight wow. other pressures. That's amazing. That's actually so good. He was targeted 38 times, gave up 26 catches for one touchdown, but he had six picks. I don't remember that at all. Five sacks and six picks? Yeah. You can kind of see why the year was so great. This year, also, Caleb Miller had an 86.4 on yeah. 492 snaps. Hmm. So just... Just under the 500 threshold of, of but he wouldn't have passed him anyways. Uh, so click on Case for her and then yep. what happened the following years? I'm going there now. He uh, played for New Orleans in 2007 and 2008 and Tennessee in 2009. For New Orleans, he played only 361 snaps, but he was still very good, 89.6. Hmm. The next year, he played more like starter snaps, 687 snaps, and was not good, 45.2. And then he played 100 snaps for Tennessee, and he was pretty good. And that's it. So that was it. Yeah. I wonder if he dealt with injuries then. Mm-hmm. Somebody will surely tell us. Oh, you know what I meant to start the show with today? What's that? Uh, corrections from yesterday. We were talking about Tim McGee and all those guys that wore two numbers or, or you know, somebody else wore the numbers for part of the year. That was a strike year. Okay. So that's... That's in 1987. There was a strike. Replacement players came in for a couple of games. And then That's right. everyone came back. We had this also when we talked about Louis Breeden, was it? We talked about the corner where he, he was an all-pro. He only played six games. I know that there were, there were quite a few quite a few players. Like, everyone that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. 
I don't know what Kevin Kazemhart is doing right now. Do you think he's got a Twitter? No. I think he's just disappeared into obscurity. Oh, he's a math teacher? Nope. Awesome. No, he's not on Twitter. Not, not by using his name, at least. I don't know where Kevin Kazemhart is. If anyone knows where Kevin Kazemhart is, tell us. Tell him we're looking for him. Be, be less creepy. <laughs> but, I knew but, you were yeah. going there with that. <laughs> be less creepy. No, be very creepy about it. So these guys on this Bengals podcast are looking for you. Joe? What? We have a reputation to maintain here. Kevin Casewater's best career game came against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week three of 2006. He had an interception. He had a sack. He had a hurry. He gave up one catch on three targets. Pretty good game. 92.3 overall and 82 snaps. Well, I'm putting his, his name in YouTube to see if anything comes up. Just to see if we have any individual play. Do you have any guesses for 2007 and 2008? These are not good years for the defense, so these were lower grades. 07, 08? Yep. Uh, those are bad, bad defenses. Uh, Donnie Jones, they signed, right? Donnie Jones in 2008 was a 70.9 and was their Yikes. best graded defender. Good Lord, Do, that was a bad defense. In 2007... It was D'Amato Pecco. Huh. That season probably carried his whole reputation on him being a solid player. It must have. It must have. Yeah. Because he really wasn't good, right? Yep. So on the offensive side of the ball, there's also two players whose names appear more than once, and these are pretty obvious. Okay. Andrew Whitworth five times and A.J. Green four times. Yeah, that makes sense. Andrew Whitworth and Adrian Green. Who yeah. else? Those are your two Hall of Famers if you have them on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, well, there's actually one other potential Hall of Famer on this list, but he didn't do his most of his work in Cincinnati. And that's Evan Mathis. In 2009, he posted a 90.5 and went on to have an excellent career elsewhere. Bobby Williams. Makes the list in 2008 with an 89.6. TJ Hushmanzada back in 2006 had an 88.4. And in 2018, it was neither Green nor Whitworth because of injuries and departures. And it was Tyler Boyd's 84.6. So I'm watching highlights right now of a 2006 Patriots-Bengals game. And two touchdowns already by the Patriots. One, Kevin Caseverhorn wasn't fast enough to get to the corner and tackle the running back before he scored. The next one, him and Delta O'Neill mixed up coverages and uh, the ball was thrown over their heads for a touchdown. Easy one. Interesting, because Kevin Kaysohard was a was a track athlete, too. Yeah, they may have just been the angle here, but he couldn't get there. Yeah. Well, the Patriots made a lot of people look bad. This is true. I'm watching more. Who was that running back? That, that's got to be Lawrence Maroney. Kevin Falk. No, this is 39. Too early for Kevin Falk? Gotta be. I'm also watching Carson Palmer drop back and get sacked, stripped. Bobby Williams gave up the sack. So it's timely, as you were just talking about Bobby Williams. And this year, it was 2006. So this was, he was coming back from his ACL. Mm. It was not a good year. Right, okay. for Carson. They were okay. They weren't great. Yeah, he's getting banged around and sacked. Yeah. I just wanted to, it, I typed in Case Arn's name, and this is this game came up. It was like the third game. So I was thinking he was going to, 
get an interception or something, but we're in the fourth quarter here. It's 31-13. Um, he hasn't uh, – he just got run over there. No, that wasn't him. Never mind. That was Medea Williams wearing number 40 as the other safety at the time. Yeah. The we other the other correction I wanted to mention is that Tyler Eifert did have some injuries in college, but he, he had back injuries. And, and, and he's, I, he's dealt I, with back injuries. He has. And I said yesterday that he had a relatively clean injury history in college, which – was not correct. So thank you for the corrections. Someone sent you that, huh? Yeah. Well, somebody sent the lockdown account. Yeah. I'm in favor of corrections. Yeah, they're great. Send them. We will not be offended unless you call me paint drying and then I'll be a little upset. So we also got a question from our guy, our um, active listener and active resident, Delton. What's the best way to put this? Fanboy? Support? You could just call him an Andy Dalton activist. Activist. You like the word active there. Put That's activist even, in my head. Right. He's uh, he's definitely active in yeah. his support of Andy Dalton. Anyways, he is writing, I believe, for Stripe Pipe. If I'm, yeah, I'm, that's correct. Okay. I was going to say I didn't look it up. Um, I feel bad. But anyways, Logie posed this question because I remember this was a conversation him and I were having a little bit, maybe a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or so. And he wrote an article on Andy Dalton and, and proposed this question. So let's say he wins a Super Bowl with the Bengals in, let, I, I'm just going to, I'm adding in here in two years. Okay. And I don't, cause it's probably not gonna happen this year, but say he wins the Super Bowl in 2020 with the Bengals. Is that enough? His body of work, his career now at that point would be a 10 year career, won a Super Bowl for a franchise who's never won one, hasn't had much success. Is that enough to say Andy Dalton is a hall of fame quarterback? If Andy Dalton is a Hall of Fame quarterback for winning one Super Bowl in his career, that means every quarterback that's ever won a Super Bowl should go to the Hall of Fame. Is I mean, not like Brad Johnson or yeah, Trent sure. Dilfer, yeah. but they don't have numbers like Dalton does. Oh, everyone has numbers now. This is true. That would be the argument, is that his are barely average for almost every single year. Yeah, you'd have to air adjust, and he's he's literally the average statistical quarterback. He's above average by PFF grades, to be right. clear. He he's like a top fourteen or, or twelve quarterback, which is just a little bit above average right. by PFF grades. But statistically, by the counting stats people use to to determine whether or not a player's in a Hall of Fame worthy player, he, he he's right in the middle of the pack for his era. Well, the thing about the stats is counting them is that um, he, the argument is really for a Hall of Fame guy, you have to be like a top five player at your position for an extended period of time, right? right. You have to be one of the best players at your position for a yep. good chunk of your career, and he's never had that. No. Now, if if Logie's also pr- proposing that with Zach Taylor, he turns into Drew Brees and he's an MVP-type candidate for the final three years and they win one, well, then that's a whole different conversation but um that's not the i don't think that's the question being being asked i think it's just is his current career good enough if we add a the the highest honor of postseason footprint to his to his career and i don't think because i don't think joe flacco's a hall of famer i don't know if eli manning's a hall of famer even though he's I one think eli manning could get in off his name and, and the fact he's that he compiled. beat the patriots tight twice yeah yeah and he's played for a long time and compiled some some you know, numbers that are going to be up yeah. there for passing yards, touchdowns, and, yeah. and yada, yada, and um, durability. And I think their people are going to use that. Sure. But yeah, Matt Ryan, I, say Matt, Matt Ryan, Ryan has. If Matt Ryan wins the Super Bowl, he has a much better argument than Andy yeah. Dalton. Yeah. I think They've that been would be to a Super Bowl before. 
Agreed. Yep. They've won a playoff game for, I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, so the other premise there that I wanted to just touch on is he, Logie also wrote an article saying, suggesting, I think, that, that, that Drew Brees could be a decent c- comparison for Andy Dalton's career trajectory. And I think there were some selective endpoints there, just talking about a new coach coming in. Andy Dalton is not the same age as Drew Brees when he got his new coach. And Zach yeah. Taylor is, we, if he's Sean Payton, then Duke Tobin really did a good job because I don't even think that Sean McVay is, is Sean Payton. No, I think getting a perfect marriage coaching quarterback can obviously help that production standpoint that, that, and just the quarterback play. So if that's that, if that's what he's saying, that's how I took it as, as uh, if Taylor and Dalton are a perfect marriage, what's the next six years of Andy Dalton's career look like? Um, if that's the positive spin on it, that's that's fine. That's why I thought he was he was mostly saying with that why Drew Brees because Drew Brees definitely found that with Sean Payton. Yeah, but Brees was older, and Sean Payton. I, I, so I think Brees was younger, right? You, yeah, Brees was you younger. With, sorry, right? You got with Payton year five, right? It had to be four years. Yeah, because the Chargers were worried about his shoulder. Yeah, and they drafted Philip Rivers because they were worried about his shoulder. Well, they drafted Rivers the year before um, Brees got hurt. Oh, then I take it all be. back. My history is incorrect. Yeah, I think Rivers was sitting that first year. Real-time corrections. Is that right? Because Doug know. Flutie was the backup. What? They were yeah. all on the same team? Yeah, Doug Flutie was the, was the backup quarterback in San Diego around That's that time. That's a funny team. San Diego, right. So this we're, talking, we're going back here. Yeah. Anyway, I think that it would take both things. I think that Andy Dalton would have to rattle off three plus great years yeah have some playoff wins in addition to a super bowl win to really have any sort of argument yeah i agree and i think his career at this point is isn't even close right all all that would do though is all it would help aj green geno atkins not andrew whitworth but um you know these other guys on the team that have a case before delton so at, at the very least it would put those two guys in which would be great if that happened uh but Sure, I think he would have to play like that. He would have it, it. It wouldn't be enough. His play currently and his production currently is not enough to get him in. It would need to be. It would need to be a lot. Yep. Um, last question for you. Well, for me. Then we'll wrap up. All the rage on Twitter right now is this social experiment. Don't read the replies before you reply. Here's a question. Okay. I don't understand what makes this a social experiment, but I thought this was interesting. Reply with one athlete you wish had been perfectly healthy for their whole career. Well, I would say Carson Palmer because so, I'm a so Bengals fan. It's pretty easy, okay. Yeah, because if that that's a lot of that's a lot of good football, good seasons, and good teams that he was on where yeah. they were cut short because of injuries, and not just for the Bengals, for the Cardinals too. Yeah, that's fair. My my, I have a few candidates. You pointed okay. out that I have to pick one, and I didn't pick one. I picked four guys. I want to know your candidates, though. Derrick Rose. Okay, yeah, that's fun. Derrick Rose was a great, sensational, unique player, and tearing the the knee ligaments that he tore, blowing up his knee, just destroyed the strength of his game, and it was and you're, tragic. You're a Bulls fan. I am a he Bulls was a top fan. three player during that time. He won an MVP. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have won the MVP. LeBron should have won the MVP that year, but he won an MVP. 
So he did, right? <laughs> it was one of those like we don't want to give it to Tiger. Who else? Or not Tiger? I started thinking about dominant athletes. Uh, we don't want to give it to LeBron. Who else can we give it to? Can I suggest Tiger for this? Oh, Tiger. This question. Right. That'd be a good one. Think about that ten-year span of oh, how many. Man. Right. I mean, he's already going to go down as the best ever, but he would have blown it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other names on the list for me: Ken Griffey Jr. Mm. I loved Ken Griffey Jr. before he was a Red. Yeah, just he's a fun player, right? Everyone liked Ken Griffey Jr. That's everyone. Nobody yep. has ever had and ever will have a swing as pretty as Ken Griffey Jr.'s swing. But he was fun in the outfield, too. Yeah, he was an excellent defender. Right. I've got a, uh, I don't know if you, you know those McFarland figures yeah. of sports players. I got a Ken Griffey in a Reds uniform nice. jumping off the wall, catching a, a robbing a home run. That's fun. Uh, the other two, Carson Palmer and yeah. Kenyon Martin. Kenyon Martin. Okay. Because he was the unanimously best player in college basketball. Cincinnati was the number one overall ranked program. He broke his leg. They were number one overall. Or no, they weren't. Are you cracking yourself mid-take? Yeah. they. they I, th- I think that they got docked. I think that they weren't the number one overall seed in the tournament, but they might have been. I think they weren't the one number one overall seed because he got hurt and they lost the, the conference championship. Anyway, do you, uh, the, do you the, normally watch college basketball? I watch Cincinnati, yeah. I like okay. I like the Cincinnati Bearcats for college basketball. Because I don't think we talked about a bracket at all this year when we were doing it, doing this. No. No, I don't watch it enough to have informed opinions on March Madness. Oh, no, I haven't done a bracket in a long time. No. Mock Madness, on the other hand. On the other hand, Mock Madness. Oh, that'll do it for us here at the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Go find us on the Himalaya podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.